Hello, beauties, my kings, queens, and in-betweens. You are tuning into Divine Queries with the Mystical Minister. I am a queer spiritual healer, minister, coach, advocate, and teacher, and I identify with the pronouns of she and her, and I respect how you choose to identify. I am the spiritual magic of a queer POC author, and I'm here to support you in igniting your freedom and being able to be who you are, wherever you are. So let's dig right into today's episode. Let's go. Hello, my beauties. So today's episode, we're going to be discussing grief and um, the different variables of it and moving through it, allowing the space for it. And I would really like to give some thanks to Michelle Carson Johnson for the inspiration for this and also what I've been experiencing these last couple of weeks and months um, for the inspiration for this podcast episode And um, Michelle spoke about yesterday, I went to one of her events. She is the author of Skill and Action and social justice leader, social change leader and yogi. And I absolutely love her approach and what she shared about is like her heart is always in a state of break and also in a state of openness to be able to continue to pour out and to love, but a space of feeling the heartbreak of the state of our country and our people and, um, the, the effects of white supremacy in our world. So I, I, I appreciated that perspective. And I'm going to start this episode by reading some of the examples or definitions of grief. And grief is a multifaceted response to loss, particularly to the loss of someone or something that has died, to which a bond or affection was formed. Although conventionally focused on the emotional response to loss, it also has physical, cognitive, behavioral, social, cultural, spiritual, and philosophical dimensions. Grief is a natural response to loss. It's the emotional suffering you feel when something or someone you have, you have loved is taken away. Often, the pain of loss can feel overwhelming. You may experience all kinds of difficult and unexpected emotions from shock or anger to disbelief, guilt, and profound sadness. And then lastly, grief is the acute pain that accompanies loss. It is deep because it is a reflection of what we love, and it can feel all-encompassing. So some of you may know if we are friends or you follow me on Instagram and Facebook that I recently lost my grandmother. We had her memorial last Saturday on the 10th or the 9th, the 9th of November. And um, we, she actually transitioned on November 3rd and my granny felt she took a decline in her health in July. And I knew at that time that the end was coming, that it was near. And I decided that in August, when she was placed in hospitalization, that I was going to come home to be with her, which home is in Nashville, Tennessee. So I came and I saw her and I saw my granny and a state that I had never seen her. I mean, like she just had this far away 
gaze as if she was already in another realm. Her mouth was stuck and she like she couldn't move. She couldn't verbalize or anything like that. And I didn't really have any expectations of how she was going to be or look or anything like that. And at the same time, I didn't expect her to be in that state or I wasn't emotionally, mentally prepared for it. Um, and so my my place in that was just to show up in that space for my granny as I do in every other space. And it's to be like a sounding board, a stable post, a light um, to, to allow my emotions to flow and to, to, to get information, you know, to be the, like in times like that, I'm very type A, like, okay, what are the next steps? What is the plan? Meeting with the medical team, meeting with my family and making sure that everybody was on the same page and understood everything. That's kind of the, the way that I operate in those spaces, because it is, a highly emotional space. And um, I'm grateful that I have the emotional fortitude to be able to, to feel my feelings, to have my thoughts, but to also show up um, as a sounding board and a stable pillar for my family and for others in that way. And so, you know, like I did that and then I took some time to just go outside of the hospital and feel and cry. Like I don't, I don't mind crying in public. I literally am just like in my own little space, feeling my feelings, thinking my thoughts and breathing. And I took that time outside to do that. And my granny was discharged and, you know, there really wasn't, there weren't any answers as to what was going on with her or why um, she had fallen into this almost like catatonic state. And um, I did some of my, my spiritual energy healing work. And I mean, within 24 hours, she was able to be verbal again. And that was a miracle because my granny, like just a little bit about her, she was like, a spitfire, like no bullshit. Um, very like, <laughs> I will cut you. Um, I like don't step to me in any kind of way. Like she was very little, but very like ready to fight. Um, she hid like knives under her pillow, under her bed. And it's kind of where I got it from. I mean, like I have literally a machete right to my left. Um, and like as a kid, I would threaten people with knives and stuff. And I definitely got that from her. Um, but she also raised the generations of children in my family. Like she had a hand in raising every single child that has come through um, in our in our generations. And, you know, me, she helped to raise me. If if she didn't come in to, to raise me, me and my little brother would have been lost forever in the foster care system. And so I'm very grateful for that. And I do write a little bit about our relationship and the evolution of that in my book, The Spiritual Magic of a POC and um, a queer POC. <laughs> and um, so she she was amazing. And she um, became like I was talking to my mom about it. She became even like nicer and nicer. She never was one to initiate an I love you. You know, like you always said it to her. I always would say it to her. And I called her my granny mama. I was always like, granny mama, um, 
I love you. Granny mom, I'm going to come over there. Granny mama, what do you want to do for your birthday? And speaking of birthdays, one of the greatest memories that I have is that I can't remember which birthday it was, but it was many, many years ago. Um, I decided that I was going to get her, her and my mom, a room at the Opryland Hotel, which is this amazing, humongous hotel in Nashville, Tennessee. And I was going to take her to a drag show at Play Dance Bar and like just treat her like the queen that she always deserved to be treated like. And so we stayed at this amazing hotel and I took her to the show and they, all these drag queens loved on her. She had the time of her life. She had so much fun. I had so much fun. Obviously everybody treated her with so much love. My mom had a blast. Like that's one of the best birthdays, um, celebrations that I recall that that was able to be had for my granny. And uh, I'm very grateful for that. Very, very grateful for that. Um, my mom showed this picture of, or my cousin showed a picture. We were at the funeral home making the arrangements and she showed this picture of this class of kids. And they didn't know if it was my granny or if it was my great auntie or if it was my grandfather, but all of these kids they went to like the Franklin training school and it was a segregated school back then. And um, none of them smiled. And that was just the one thing that I realized that none of them smiled. None of them had a smile on their face. And, and I could feel that. I could feel that sorrow. Like they really didn't have anything to smile about. It was devastating, depressing, dark times for people of color then. And um, the things that my granny survived through and the things that she experienced, I can only imagine because of what's been told throughout history and and being able to tap into some some degree. But like I wasn't in this lifetime there. And so I definitely have so much respect for her and um, the survivor that she has been. And um, in her final days, she was very much so like not there physically. She wasn't in a place of where she would want to be. And so when it actually came for her time to transition, I was very grateful that she was no longer suffering. And I do have a different approach or perspective to, to death, um, then, then some people and some people also share my, my approach. I mean, I believe that there are many, many journeys beyond this physical human experience and um, that our work and our journey is never done and never completed. But this human experience is one of the hardest ones of the journey. And so I have like this, um, this gratitude and this appreciation and this um, honor and inner knowing and belief that I'm just like, okay, all right, may you transcend peace and may your next steps be peaceful. Um, but there is also still that physical loss of she's no longer here, watching my mom, watching my cousins experiencing all of that and um, watching them and feeling all the feelings and and everything and knowing that you know like this is no longer my granny's house like we'll come here and she will not be here you know it's all of those still very human and literal experiences that are now forever changed and I go back to that that gratitude of she's no longer suffering and her journey continues 
And, um, and I, I, I truly do believe that. And I still feel however I feel, um, but I don't have this clinging to and this attachment of um, anything like that. And I've done a lot of forgiveness work with my granny. Um, a lot of my family was experiencing different variables of emotions because of just the, the relationships that my granny created and some of the harm cost caused in this lifetime um, with her and with them and all of that. So, you know, we aren't saints. We all have our paths and ways that we cope and respond to life. And so I did write a poem to everyone that I read at the memorial service. And it was kind of as if she, if she could speak, this is what she would say. You are all my children. It has been one of my greatest joys to raise you as I've passed over to the other side of heaven's doors. I know that you may cry for me. I know that you may yell for me, but know that I have gone to the place of joy and peace. My suffering is no more. Remember me for my good and forgive me for my hurts. I held great sorrows in my little bones. Now my sorrows are no more. Remember me for my good and forgive me for my hurts. Rest your hearts, my children. I'm in flight to heaven and can finally rest. And so it is. Um, I left that with my family. And um, I think that it was very much so a channeling. And um, I'm grateful for those words. And so that's one area of grief. And I definitely wanted to give my grandmother that that space of honoring and um, sharing. And there are many areas of grief that we can feel that's beyond the physical death of someone. It can be the change in relationship. It can be the change in environment. It can be the change in so many things are, are who we used to be, <laughs> you know, and who we are now. Like there are so many shifts that happens that cause grief and so many ways of heartbreak that happen. I mean, just recently, you know, I've moved to Asheville, North Carolina, left my home that I loved with a partner that I loved um, in a very beautiful place where practice we had so many groups coming in and so many things of that nature and like that so many layers of grief so many layers of grief and as it was happening I was grieving and that's a gift like I didn't have to say well wait let me get to here and then I'll grieve it it's like I'm gonna grieve it as it's happening and so I got to be in a space of just simply like man this is this is changing this is what's happening and being completely present and aware to the shifts that are happening what what's being created um saying goodbye to my friends, saying goodbye to my love, saying goodbye to the space, saying goodbye to my clients, saying goodbye to the life that was created there and giving that the space and all of the things, all of the minor things, subtle things, and to be able to move into this newness. And, um, and I mean, they all, all of it deserves like its own space of grief and heartbreak and, and the allowance of that. And, one of my greatest areas of grief is my little brother when he was sentenced and still today he was sentenced to life in prison 
in about 2005 for a murder he didn't do. And I had no wherewithal or emotional intelligence capacity at that time to deal with the weight of that. And, um, and that was just very, 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 very heavy. And it's something that, you know, he's alive. He's still currently in prison and it's something that we, that we fight to change all the time and are very open to that shifting where he's free. But that's a space of grief that he's alive, but he's not here and his life is taken, but he's still alive and being able to, to be with that anger, that disappointment, that frustration and that grief, but also honoring the fact that he's here and figuring out like how to work through all of that. So that's definitely a space of, of grief. Um, and that's been one of the longest spaces and the way that I was able to, I went through this terrible spiral for two years, um, after all of this happened. And I mean, like I relapsed, um, I am active in recovery from substances and eating disorders. And at the time that all of that happened, I was sober for about a year and a half and, um, I relapsed for two years and I just, cause I couldn't deal with it. And it's not an excuse because when I stopped using all of those things, I had to deal with it, just kind of prolonged my suffering. And, um, and it was a part of my journey, but it isn't necessary. Um, but one of the biggest things, cause I would cry in like the most seemingly inconvenient spaces. Like I would cry at a class. I would cry in like one of my college courses where we're talking about biology and um, because I didn't really know how to deal with it. And then finally I got one of the tools from, from a mentor along the way. And she was just like, allow yourself the space to grieve, like allow yourself the time to grieve. Like I'm going to grieve. I'm going to feel all of my feelings for this amount of time. And then allow yourself to get up, get out and keep moving. And then the next day, give yourself that amount of time. And so that was a great tool for me because I was so fragmented at that time to be able to allow for the space for my coming apart and the space to grieve and to feel it. And so that's a tool that I give to you guys as well. And, um, you know, relationships are large areas of grieving, you know, heartbreak. We usually identify with relationships. And I went through one of my biggest, like my first real relationship, I call it was when I was 19. It was for three years. And like coming out of that, that was very like it was a process. It was a long process. It seemed like it took forever for me to actually fully get to the other side of that. And then the next time that I experienced something similar to that was when I was married and like, which seems like, (laughs) seems like a lifetime ago didn't like, it didn't happen. Like it was just yesterday all at the same time, but it very, it does seem like there's been more space between than it actually has. And that divorce was official in August and of last year, of last year. And that whole process was, was, it was painful, but I rested in the knowing that it was absolutely what I needed to do to evolve and to be the woman that I, that I truly am. And, um, to get through that 
took a lot. It took a lot. And then just the mourning and the grieving of um, the potential that we had and the dreams and the vision and like all of that. Um, I have pockets of where it may come up still. You know, there isn't a time frame on grief or like, oh, you must do this if that's happening. No, we we are like complex beings. We can grieve and love. We can have joy and sadness. Like there isn't just one feeling that's flowing through we are constantly in motion we are energetic beings and um that was that was a space of of deep grief and sorrow I mean like I felt some of the deepest emotional pain that I've ever ever experienced I mean like fetal position by my altar in my room um for days and then I would get out of it and then I would go back into the fetal position I would yell I would scream I would do all of these different things and and it was truly like un unraveling and unveiling and unearthing lifetimes and different times of heartbreak that was one of the greatest lessons that I learned from that like I was feeling so much but it was also unearthing other periods of my life and other areas that I hadn't healed that was coming up in that moment to be healed so that is one of the gifts of grief is that it can bring up other areas that we haven't fully um, healed up the wounds on so you know, we may feel so strongly about something that's smaller, like, you know, I don't know what would be a smaller grief, but, or a smaller loss, and it really doesn't matter, but something that seemingly wouldn't have such a large impact, it can impact, impact us very heavily emotionally, but it's really reminding us and triggering another loss. And so it's the invitation to heal that. Um, being in recovery, I've lost and working in the mental health and substance abuse field. I have experienced many people dying of overdoses. I have lost friends to overdoses. One of the first friends that I lost was when I was in high school and, um, he, I, I blamed myself for his death and, um, he was lifelighted to Vanderbilt. He had hit a telephone pole under the influence and um, I couldn't go to his funeral. I couldn't do any of that. And I just fell into like a deeper hole. And, um, and then we also had a friend that like was on mushrooms and went into the park and just like committed suicide and um, all like drug related things um, and deep losses and my friend Jeffrey was his name that hit the telephone pole. I saw his brother had graduated a couple years ago um, with my little cousin. And my little cousin, who is actually no longer here, he passed away. It was killed by another cousin of mine in last December. It's almost been a year. But I got to see Jeffrey's brother there. And it was just like, so good. I was like, you're Jeffrey's brother. Like I just knew that it was him. So it was almost like an, an angelic smiling upon moment to see him graduated and smiling and happy and good um, because his brother was definitely much so that. And then um, I have experienced much loss, much sorrow. Like I could literally be in a puddle all day if I chose to be. Um, and, um, I think one of the greatest gifts that I have that keeps me from that is that I allow myself to feel it. 
I allow myself to feel like the uncomfortable, the the anger, the frustration, the mad, the the joy of it all, and um, the questioning of it all, and the sorrow of it all, and I allow it to move through me, and I don't. I don't mask it with anything. Like I'm not using sex, shopping, drugs, smoking. Like I don't have any, anything to cover up this experience of this, this human experience that I'm in. So I choose to allow it to flow. And I have many tools, like the tools that I have at my disposal that I use. I, I was in a breath session that brought it clear to me that this would be the episode that I would be releasing on Monday was talking about grief. And so, you know, there have been some devastating things that have happened and I'm so grateful to have the tools that I have and to be a resource for other people. You know, like I've literally held the hands of clients as they're grieving. I sat with them as they just cry. You know, I've held people in the space because of the space that I allow for myself. I allow it for other people. And we all aren't there. Like that isn't our medicine. That isn't what we're here to do. Um, But we are all here to allow our feelings to flow and to allow ourselves to to fully feel and to grieve and to keep an open heart. So um, the devastation of my cousin being killed by my little cousin was very shocking. Um, I think he was just 21. And that whole thing has been a complete just, you know, I, I still don't really have the words for it. Um, as soon as it happened, I was just like, I did a calling out of my family and I was like, this needs to stop. This continues to happen. It needs to stop. And, um, I wasn't able to go to his funeral because I wasn't back home. And, um, I just truly want the right justice for him because the cousin that is arrested and that has been even convicted for the crime is not the one who did it. And I just like, I speak that now that justice be served in all areas, in all ways of the wrong accused and the wrongly convicted, that justice is served now and that those who are actually responsible for these crimes be convicted and be punished in the way that they deserve and allow the innocent and the free to be freed. And so it is. And um, so it is. So in closing this up, I did a, a, an, a video in August of 2018 about grief. And so I'm going to play that video and let's do it here. So death, it is a constant in this lifetime in our human existence. And it's something that we don't really know what to do. We don't know how to grieve it. We don't know how to feel it. We don't know what to do, what to say, how to be with each other when we experience another losing a loved one. We don't know the words to say. There's no manual on how to have a human experience of death. And what I believe is that we need to get around to expressing, expressing through words, expressing through movement, expressing through art, expressing through breath and healing and allowing ourselves to be in a space to where we can grieve where we can allow death to happen and to process it in the rawest emotional way 
that may be coming up for us and to know that it's okay. It is so it is okay. Whatever you're feeling, whatever you're grieving, it is okay to express it. And I send my love to you as you may be grieving, as you may be coming into a season of grief or coming out of a season of grief. It is a constant that happens in this human experience. And allow yourself to to feel it and to express it in whatever way you need to. Move that energy, talk. There are, there are such things as like grief counseling and things of that nature. There are support groups and stuff like that. And there are other ways to move through transformational breath is one of the modalities that I practice with people. And it is a great tool for processing grief and trauma. So get the support that you need. Do, you don't have to go through this alone and also be the space for yourself to be able to grieve, nurture yourself, be gentle with yourself and allow it to flow, allow it to flow. I really hope that this episode has supported you guys in one or many ways. And, um, and it's a part of freedom. So as we allow ourselves to be more free, we allow ourselves to process and experience the grief that's happening in and around us, in our world and in our home. So enjoy this, enjoy what's come from this and enjoy what's next for you as we move through all that we are to move through. Peace, love, blessings. Take care until the next episode. Hello, my spiritual warriors. As you know, the doors to Mystic Rebel Academy have officially opened. They are open. So please go online to www.mysticalminister.com slash Mystic Rebel Academy and you can sign up for classes now. We have classes of astral travel. We have sacred geometry, spiritual intuition. So you can learn the clairs and which ones are your most potent gifts, as well as sanctuary meditation and meeting your higher self. So you can connect with the higher frequencies of you and really get connected to that empowerment so that you can really do that which you are here to do in this world today. So go online, sign up, and you can always invite me to come and teach at your studio or your space, and as well as sign up for the Warrior Spirituality Workshop that will be live and in action very soon. I love you. I'll see you in person and online. Take care.